my kako everyone welcome to another episode of the moana nui podcast i am moana your host and to my left hi i am dana uh, you can find me on danica vince and we are excited for you to be tuned in for our next guest Awesome. So tonight we are joined by Mike Watson, who is a comic book artist and creator for Freestyle Comics. He hails from Cleveland, Ohio. He's also the host and founder of Chat and Draw, a live streaming podcast that showcases the many worlds of the indie comic creatives. Mike holds a bachelor's degree in fine arts from the Columbus College of Art and Design, where he helped to publish uh, their first comic He's been working in the comics industry since 2005, beginning with his own publishing house, Freestyle Comics. Mike created and drew the Hotshot series, which was nominated Best Indie Ongoing Series in 2006. He's also the editor and creator of over three additional uh, comic books, Vigilance, Heroes International, and Emerald Quest. Mike has been published in the Columbus Alive and on Afropunk.com. He won the Wizard World Drink and Draw and placed second twice and was added to the Raymond Comic Book Hall of Fame. Mike also teaches a comic book art class at Fort Hayes in Columbus, Ohio. You can follow Mike on Facebook on, at Freestyle Comics, that's comics with a K, and on IG and Twitter, 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 Twitter <laughs> at Most Epic Art. <laughs> and you can check out his books at shortfusemediagroup.com. And let's bring Mike on. Hey, wow. Hey. <laughs> Moana McAdams made your boy feel legit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I ain't never had an intro like that. Like, are we on CBS? Uh, NBC? Dateline? <laughs> you know how I do. I, my peeps are talented and they deserve to be presented correctly. Shit. I mean, shoot, girl. You, you brushed the shoulders off on the boy. <laughs> I was just saying, no, you're you're talented. You do a lot of good work. So I, I'm really looking forward to chatting with you tonight, having you on the other side of the screen. I know usually you're the one who's hosting and, you know, talking to folks about their different projects. Um, and you and I work together um, as well, but we never really get to talk, you know, um, about the behind the scenes stuff. So we're really excited to have you on and let's get started. Let's go. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where'd you grow up and how did you find yourself in comics? Oh, um, uh, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. And the way that I found myself into comics is because I did not want to lose my best friend. Um, he was, we were in class. He was reading a comic book. And I was like, that's stupid. What are you doing? Why are you reading that thing? That thing is trash. I don't even know how why you like it. Like, which way do you even read those? And he, he like put the book down and like, you know, did the little finger thing that raised up his glasses. He was like, <laughs> "You don't like comics?" I'm like, "No, they're dumb." Like, how have we been best friends this whole time? And I did not know you did not like comics. It's not going to work for me. You're going to need to like comics, or we can't continue to be friends. I will be bringing you in a stack of books tomorrow, and you're going to have to find one that you like. And I was like, "What the what? The, what? Tom?" I didn't have a lot of friends, so I, I wasn't trying to lose no friends in sixth grade. That's like, that's like murder. That's death row for you. <laughs> Friendless in, in elementary school? Can't be alone. I took them home, and um, I started flipping through the books, and 
just and I swear not to be corny, it was just like a movie. It it took me getting to the last book. It was X Men number seventeen, drawn by Andy. No, yeah, Andy Kubert. No, Adam Kubert. It was the Kubert brothers, um, one of them. And it was when the X-Men Blue Squad was going to Russia to fight Omega Red. They were trying to rescue Ileana and all these these characters with these fantastic powers. I was like, there's a whole dude that's seven foot seven and turns into liquid metal. And, and Cyclops fires these, these red blasts out of his eyes that just decimate stuff. And, and Psylocke is this sexy ninja telekinesis with a sword. And, and, and then there's Wolverine with butter knives. <laughs> butter knives. <laughs> like, like everybody is getting trashed by this dude Omega Red. Like just getting thrashed. And like Wolverine kept getting up. Like he and like he's the smallest dude in the group. And like I immediately got attached to Wolverine and um I wanted to be like him cuz I got picked on and I wanted to be that guy, that person that could get back up no matter what, that would still keep fighting even if he's getting his butt kicked and you know you know, be there to the end uh, of the line, protecting the people that he loved and, and, and wanted to be in his family. And so from that moment, I have been in love with comic books and have not looked back. Now, like many creators, you write stories about heroes. What does being a hero mean you? Dude, what does it not mean? It, it means everything. <laughs> heroes are the jump jump off. Like I, I was just telling y'all before we started uh, broadcasting, Captain John Luke Picard is the greatest captain of all time. He has so many hero moments. That man will inspire you to get up and fight. And like he's like eighty in this show, and like he's still out here doing the dang thing. Like I, I am such a hero junkie that I will still, I I will know what's gonna happen. But because the narrative is so good, it's so passionate, and it's so heroic, I'm still going to ride with it. Like, I finished John Luke's line before he finished it because it was the only thing a hero would say in that moment. And I'm like, yes! (laughs) Get it to him, John Luke! You old, old man! (laughs) Drive that ship! The 240 Romulan spaceships! You do it! My Hero Academia, that's, that's my life. That, is, that has been like re-inventive juice for me because comic books um, from Marvel and DC have been disappointing. And I've been um, losing myself in a ton of indie books. Uh, so like My Hero Academia is like the only mainstream thing that I really buy now. And yes, it is, it is predictable. But these hero moments where the hero is down and all the weight is on them, it's the last second and that last spur of energy comes through because somebody's life is in danger and you're the last person there that can do anything about it. And, you know, he does, you know, one million percent punch smash and you're like, yes, <laughs> yes, I'm here for it. Being a hero is doing everything you can to save somebody's life, which is um, or to save the day, to stop the bad guy. You, you know, you make these sacrifices. You, you know, you're Peter Parker. You get beat up. But in the end, you know, you're, you come out on top. You know, heroes are, are really important, uh, as you mentioned. And, um, you know, I think if we all look into our culture, we have, you know, heroes that inspire us. So how does your culture influence your work in comics? Honestly, I didn't, it did not influence me. Sorry. Um, honestly, it did not influence me at all at first. Um, I have a, I had a lot of growth um, to do as a creator before I realized, like, that it needed to be included. 
So kind of subconsciously, I just did. I just drew and wrote about what was around me. And I live in Columbus, Ohio. I've lived there since 1999. And Columbus, Ohio is a melting pot. Um, the school mm-hmm. that I went to, there were there were no two people that were the same. Um, so we had all types of, dif- of diversity, all ty- different races and everything. So when I drew comic books and I drew scenarios and stuff like this, that's how I drew. I, I drew what you know was next to me. So I didn't I didn't think anything of it at all. Um, but then you know you, you know certain things starts happening or started happening in society where it becomes more and more president. And then you start thinking like, how can I incorporate these things in my story? For example, it's uh, for example. Um, Black Lives Matter and, you know, police brutality. Uh, we have Hotshot plotted for 100 issues. Um, so we know where the story's going. But um, after I get finished with this story arc, which is a big hero story arc, um, we're going to do our own um, police brutality issue um, where we actually send Hotshot. We see Hotshot in the future. where He's a much older version of himself and he's got a new costume. And um, how does he deal with the challenges of, of that type of thing? It's going to be a one shot issue. Um, but if we feel like it's something that we, we need to do when um, all that stuff was going on, we had our interns making images of our superheroes with masks on, with our superheroes uh, protecting Asian people, um, you, know, for, you know, trying to stop racism against that. Or um, Titan, one of our, um, our thicker girls, saying we're all in this together. Uh, Hotshot with a, a, a graduation gown on, but he's in the driveway because a lot of kids graduated in their driveways. Uh, this past year in 2020. So we write to the era that we are in. I didn't realize that drawing women in comics was an important thing because I had women in my life. So I drew women in comic books. I wanted to see a, a dope female kick ass. So I drew a dope female that did that exact thing. I didn't think like, oh my goodness, like we're like, why don't we have this? We need this representation. But then you know, when you get older and you get, and you like dive into this thing that you're saying is going to be your career, and you start to really dig into it, and you see there's a lot of neglect in this area. And then I have three girls, and I want them to be able to see themselves not only in mainstream culture but in my work as well. So. Mm-hmm. And it's great that you mentioned about like representation because so often in comics, POCs and women are misrepresented. And for you, how important is capturing authentic narratives in your storytelling? Uh, Super important. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like there's a lot of stories that I want to touch on. But I'm I'm not going to dive into them until I can get the right point of reference, unless I can get somebody to help me coach me through it. Or, um, for example, Vigilance is uh what well, has been our number one selling comic book for the last couple of years, except for excluding last year. Hotshot came back and took the throne. But when Vigilance came out, it was a very dominating comic book. We we had this woman of color, um, Superman esque feel that was not over sexualized. We had these very powerful, strong covers that were making people like their heads turn when they would see this number one issue and see this black woman on here with this red cape and this, you know, this red, uh, this red and white suit um, and then open it up. And she's just like totally powerful. She's not dependent on, on anyone. Those first three issues were kind of like an introduction issue to vigilance. And we had, uh, we had two guys write it. Uh, We had Alvin Ball write the third issue and Micah Cox write the first two issues. And they were pretty much, action-oriented, punch this villain in the face, introduce these character type of stories. 
But once we got to the fourth issue, I realized I needed a female's voice in the fourth issue. The direction now, it's not just simply punching something in the face. We're putting vigilance in the middle of a city. She's not living on a military base anymore. She has asked for her own space. So she has her own apartment. But this woman is someone who's worked for the government for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is all she's known since she has been on this planet. So she is not an atypical female. She doesn't know anything about going to get her nails done or getting, you know, going out on shopping spree. She doesn't do any of that stuff because all she's done is punch things in her face. So when you give her her own apartment and she's wealthy because she didn't spend any of her money. So she's got a nice condo apartment. She's in the middle of the city. What does she do that day? How was her day spent? Um, and me and the previous writer kind of went back and forth on it uh, because he wanted to put her on a blind date. I'm like, no, <laughs> we're not putting her on a date. We're not putting her on a date in this issue. It is not. I don't. I don't want that to be. We don't. I don't want that to be like. She goes on a date. She gets a froco mako coffee. She goes and gets her nail done. No, we're not, we, we. I want vigilance to discover herself. We we want her to start to discover who she is. And while anybody can write this story. There are little nuances, I'm sorry to say, fellas, that a female just knows about a female, all right? <laughs> they live and breathe this life every day, and there's just little things that I'm not going to get or know about because I'm a man. I'm not living that life. And that was very reflective in one of the artists that we had drawing Emerald Quest. Uh, me and my, my, my boy James designed the female characters in the book and the male characters, um, it's very female heavy. And, you know, we drew, drew all this armor on them. Again, we weren't trying to over-sexualize all the characters. We wanted them to look badass. We wanted them to look tough. We had, like, this, these dope, like, hair designs and stuff. And we had uh, a woman jump on and do the art for the second issue. And she was like, uh, Mike, um, can, I, uh, can I fix the hair on, on the girl's? I was like, what's wrong with the hair? Like, taking a fist. Like, I looked up a lot of hairstyles for this, all right? I was all in. All in it. Word up, Mac. I was looking everywhere. Google Drive, Google's hair, hair, all types of hair. Buns, down, whatever whatever it was. And she was like, I I just want to be able to just, can I, can I just have a little freedom with the hair? I was like, you know what? Yeah, fine. All right, all right, cool. You're drawing the book. I don't want to. Be a prima donna just because I'm in love with my designs. Go ahead. <laughs> let's see what you do. And I tell you, what she did was fantastic. It's just, you just don't know these things. If you're not living day to day in this skin, you don't know it. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can admit that. You can own up to that. But, like, what she did was amazing. And I was just like, checkmate to you. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Absolutely. So, uh. Yeah. So when we got to this fourth issue and knowing this was more of a personal issue, um, a highly invested issue and in how we're because we're going to start to we're, we're literally going to shape who Vigilance is out of the costume from the fourth issue moving forward. Yes, there will be punching. Yes, there will be flying and be superpowers. But now we're going to see who she is. And I need a female voice for that. And that's why we got Stephanie Menard um, to write the book. And she's the ongoing writer. And what she has turned in is fantastic. So <laughs> I'm here for it, man. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, yeah, I feel like it's it's so great to have female perspectives in comics. I mean, I know sex sells, right? Like yeah. that, 
it's who's in the audience, right? Like we we know. But if you're gonna expand, you know, beyond that particular uh, demographic or audience, that you have to have more um, authentic storytelling. So yeah, um, yeah. and. And I'm not saying we don't have any sexy characters or any. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because like mm-hmm. that all exists in the world. So when I'm yep. saying there's a, there's a multiplier is, but like everybody ain't like that, right? I'm going into a full on um battle with orcs and dragons and orakai, and I'm gonna wear a teeny top bikini and then exactly, exactly. Like no, <laughs> like these things just breathing. And it keeps them protected that way in that little bikini. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just like, just be a little bit logical with who is doing this or who, you know, who is wearing these things. So I do like because I do have a um a very sexualized character. Her name is uh, JFab, um, and but it's modeled after a woman named Jana Fabro who uh, is allowing me to use her persona. But she's also a model, and she mm-hmm. does very sexy cover shoots and things like that. But and like that's how she wanted her character portrayed. But see, that works with that character because that is who she is. There's a reason behind that. And that's why that character pulls off the extra sexy. Switching gears just a little bit. So part of your work involves teaching art classes and mentoring student interns. What are the first three things you teach your students and why? Artists rule the world. <laughs> every class that I go on to, every class I step into, I let them know that artists rule the world. Secretly, we are the kings and queens of this planet and the world doesn't even know it. Artists secretly rule the world because we design, make, every single thing that you use. We tell you not only what you need, but we make the things that you want from toothbrushes to hairpins to clothes, cars, houses, shoes, all of it. We make that. We are telling you what you want and what you need. So artists rule the world. That's the very first thing I tell them. Um, the second thing I tell them is, is like there's nothing wrong with a nine to five job. There's no shame in it, nothing but respect. If that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. Um, but if you want to work as a creative, because there are tons of jobs for cre- as creatives where you don't have to have a lick of drawing skill. All you have to have is imagination. Uh, we did a play for um, one summer, and I had this one uh, student who uh, caught on. Like She really got involved with the script. She knew it like forward and backwards. She knew all the characters. So when we did a casting call, I put her in charge of the casting call along with three other students. And um, she was super big on it, like very nitpicky about who she wanted in the roles or whatnot and came back and you know talked to me and stuff. And at the beginning of the summer, she wanted to be a dentist. By the end of the summer, she said she wanted to be a casting director. <laughs> and like... Interesting. That's literally just sitting there reading scripts and talking and interviewing people. Right, right. I, everything does not have to be, you know, the, the, the slow grind. There is a creative job out there. I just want to help you guys find it. Like, don't settle. And then I don't have a third thing. Those are, those are mainly my two things. So you got okay, me. Okay. It's all good. All good. <laughs> <laughs> those are, those are good. Actually. I, I, I like that. Especially the part about like, there's so many different types of jobs that go into creating anything, right? Movies, comics, whatever. Like mm-hmm. so many different skill sets that can get you there. And I think just becoming a comic creator, you know, being involved in this, given me like so much appreciation for, um, you know, creations of, of all all types. Like in movies, you see, you know, the end credits, and it's like, holy mm-hmm. crap! Like, who are all these people? Yeah, it takes all of those people to make this happen. Next one. Um, what are some typical things that you have your students work on to build their skill sets? I trick them 
a whole lot. Um, so I don't have access to models and stuff like that, but um, one of our projects is we would do figure drawing, but I would bring my action figures in. Um, and I would set up the, the displays with some light and, you know, a nice little diorama. And I would show them how to do figure drawing with the action, with like the action figures, you know. Um, my favorite ones to draw, bring in were my Ninja Turtles, which are mm. back here, the 90s versions from the movie. Yes. And, um, you know, I'd show them the structure, the ske- what I call the sketch skeleton, which is really a stick figure. Um, and, you know, I'm like, <clears throat> you know, I'm not, oh, that's the third thing. I'm sorry. There is three things. I would say. <laughs> I don't expect you to draw like I do. I've been Uh, drawing for 30 years and I went to school. All I expect you to do is to try your best. That's all I need you to do. Just put forth the effort because if you want to go into drawing the way that I am, then you have that option. It's just going to take some work. That's all. Just like know and realize I drew basically every single day (laughs) to be able to draw the way that I am now or whatnot. So it's not... Don't compare yourself to somebody else's level, which even yeah. in this day and age, it's still hard for me not to do that. So, you know, telling them how to do use shapes, scribbles and lines to build up their figures and things like that. Um, we did uh, one project we did. We did movie cases. So we created our own DVD movie case and created a story <laughs> and stuff for it. Uh, we did. Uh, my favorite project was we, you know, made samurai armor. And that's like a four week long project where we d- deep dive into um, Japanese culture, uh, sam- the way the samurai live, they create their own clan, their own culture, uh, the reason for their clan, assemble, they design the armor based off of all that stuff. And then we make it out of cardboard. Um, we made our own little movie trailers and stuff. So like, I don't, I'm, I'm not the typical art teacher and I've been uh, pretty lucky with some of the places that I work where they give me like a whole lot of freedom. Um, so like I the my art projects are always based around potential job fields that the kids could get. Mm. So like when we make the movie trailers, I'm showing them everything that I know about movie production, you know, directing, acting, casting directors, uh, special effects, cameramen, lighting, sound. We're doing all that stuff. And I'm like, these are all jobs. Like you see how you're having fun doing this right now? You can grow up and get paid for doing this same thing, and like you could be making the next Lord of the Rings. Right. You know, we did a hip hop project where we learned. They, I took them um, back in my heyday before I was about <laughs> six months pregnant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would uh, break dance with them. I'd bring in break dance to show them how to break dance, so they had to learn their own dance routine. Then they make their own album cover. Um, then we'd shoot a music video. Um, we do a photo shoot. I show them how to do all the graphics for the albums and stuff like that. Um, so just like trying to do like fun projects that open up their minds to creativity. I love it. I love the way you think. So to build upon that, what do you want the youth to take away from working with you or reading your comics? That they can do whatever they want, man. Like, don't be held back. I've laid, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Um, and like, there have been things that have, you know, been total pitfalls. Like there, excuse me, there, there were like two or three years where I wasn't drawing comic books at all. I just stopped doing all art and stuff like that. And, you know, by the, you know, grace and support of my, my wife, my family, my friends, um, I got back into comic books or whatnot, but like, there's always a way to do something. 
don't be arrogant like I was in college and not think that you don't need anything else besides your your directive. Mm-hmm. I, like I wish so much I would have taken, you know, a web design class or graphic design class as a minor to correlate with my major. So I could have still been doing art while, you know, until the comic books picked up for me. But that stuff would have just helped me in general in my crafting skill anyway as an artist. So keep your main focus, but have, you know, a backup plan or have an alternate plan that you can do while you're still doing the things that, uh, that you want to do. If you could offer one piece of advice to the 10-year-old Mike Watson, what would you tell him? Oh, God. <laughs> 10-year-old Mike Watson? That was right before sixth grade. Like, look, look, little dude, you got some skill, but you need to deflate that damn chest of yours, all right? <laughs> Calm that all the way down. Like, be humble. Be more humble. You'll, you'll get a lot further. That's good advice that can be applied across a wide variety of career sets. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Okay. So as a comic creator, you work with a lot of different types of people from writers, colorers, letterers. What are some things that you look for when deciding who will be on your team or whether or not you'll be, you will join an existing one? And that's a great question. That's a difficult question. Um, Cause that has been a super, super big learning curve for me and Danny Cooper, who's the editor in chief of freestyle comics. Um, I feel like I've lived in a bubble for super long um, because when I came to Columbus, it's this great, you know, it's this great geek comic art community for people my age. When I got here for like 18, 19, 20 year olds, it was like on and popping. Um, but you know, there's always people that wanted to do stuff, but the follow through wasn't there. And then like, I met, you know, Vic and I met Danny and I met Ren and like, they were like the, they've been the mainstays. They've been, they've been here since 2000 mm. on comic books and other people have come and gone. And, you know, I'll find a rare gem like Veronica Smith, um, who's been with us almost five years now. And, you know, I just be sitting here like, damn, like, where are other people like them? Where are the, where are the people at like them? And then, you know, the last, you know, two or three years since I've joined Short Fuse, like the bubble has popped and like I'm I'm meeting so many other people that have that same mentality that I do. And and it's not everybody and everybody's it has their own right to feel the way they feel or work how they how they want to work. But mm-hmm. my my preference is I like to work with people that are hungry to 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 make something happen like yes we want to make money of course we all do we all want to make make money but like that's not the you know that's not always the case like do you know like i don't i I don't really make like money for myself to like like really go out and spend like with my comic books to go spend on you know stuff like my my money on the comic books get put back immediately in the comics Mm -hmm. like i'm writing books i don't get paid for that i'm drawing books i don't get paid for that I do variant covers for my books. I don't get paid for that. Um, like that's just like stuff I take up as an L and um, I make comics. And again, I'm not expecting everybody to work like that, but when I do come across people that understand or ha- share my feelings that it's about the work, let's, let's get the work out. Um, let's, you know, let's make us an arrangement that works for us, but let, let's make this work. Let's, let's find a way to get this book out. Let's find a way to get this art out. Um, I don't always want to be held down. Cause you know, everybody doesn't have all these options for, you know, 
income and budgets and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I always start my conversation off like, look, I'm producing six comic books, two podcast shows, virtually by myself. Funds are 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 non-existent. Mm-hmm. I, this is my budget. And if you can't work with that, my feelings are not hurt. Okay? I get it. You have a certain dollar amount you want, and you should be paid what you're worth. Mm-hmm. I'm not about to sit here and haggle with you. If If you feel like what I'm offering you does not cut it, it was nice talking to you, and thank you for your time. Now, from an artist's uh, perspective, what are some of the things writers should consider when they approach an artist they want to work with? Please have a clear idea of what you want. <laughs> <laughs> Please have a clear idea of what you want. Um, when you are making comic books and you're working on scripts and things like that, um, as a writer, I know and understand that you have a very specific idea of what you want to happen. Uh, but when you're when you're dealing with comic book scripts, you have to also know that at some points or certain certain times within the script, an artist can translate the script better than what you wrote it out to be. There mm-hmm. may be times where an artist can you have something written out in four panels, and an artist can get that condensed down to two panels, or your layout may be jarring and an artist can clean that up so it flows from left to right um so unless you have a very specific reason for a very tight story element let your artist breathe Mm. and and don't don't and now that i say this don't say that every 22 page there's a very specific reason that this is like this now now that i've said this (laughs) (laughs) you have all these artists coming after you Why did you tell them that? <laughs> All right, but you gotta, you gotta. It's a, it's a give and take relationship. Um, and trust me, um, Danny yeah. Cooper has has said things that did not agree with me, and I had to get off the phone with him. And, and you know, and you know, we had to talk two or three days later. Victor Dandridge is the same way. Like, uh, but we don't coddle each other or whatnot. We're very open and honest, and and the goal is to make the best product that we possibly can. That's that's the goal at the end of the day. It's like when we put out our books, I'm very proud of our books because we work very hard on them. Um, the interns that have worked for me have worked very hard on the books that they put in, and you know some of the art may not be up to the quality of you know our main titles or whatnot, but for the fact that these interns went to CCAD, which is one of the hardest art colleges in the world, and still was able to work and put out this comic book while doing all their schoolwork, while being an intern, while working part-time, and they still made it happen. Like they, That's a, a credit to its own. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I've always admired um, you know, you working with student interns. Uh, TJ's another one who you know brings interns in, and it's, it's like giving them that... Um, that experience, which is so, so valuable. Um, you know, these days, like a lot of people focus on the money and don't get me wrong. We all need money. We got to pay bills, <laughs> but like, as, as an up and coming, um, youth, you know, like in whatever field it might be, like, it's this experience with like actual working creatives that will continue paying dividends, like way down the road. It might not put money in your pocket right now, but like the real life experience is where it's at because, you know, you can only, learn so much from a book or you know something like that it's it's the real life application that's that's valuable yeah yeah exactly i would uh uh the thing that sucked about covid is that my um convention career was really starting to get on and popping and i I started working out arrangements where shows would bring me out 
um, to the convention to talk and be on panels and they'd cover my hotel, they'd cover my travel and they'd cover my food for the weekend. And like, that'd be like the set fee for like, you know, four or five panels. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I get it, I get my table and stuff covered and like, that's what I would do for the whole weekend. But like, I always made myself available. Like if you guys have somebody fall off and you need somebody to come in here for that or this, Mm -hmm. I'm there. And, but I wouldn't ask for anything more. Like I want the opportunity to work because when I get to go to these shows, I'm on their platform. They have an Mm -hmm. audience. They have an audience that I don't have. So the more I get in front of that audience, the better I have chance I have of increasing my audience. And I show them that I'm a hard worker. Uh, You're not going to take advantage of me because like the things that I want to do, or, you know, I'm, I'm dictating how much time extra that I have or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But like, I I mean, there was probably one show where I, I went the whole day like working the table, working panels. And I was there till like midnight or something, like just on panels back and forth, back at my table. And like, they text me like, Hey, can you fill in here? Like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, let me go. And I'd go over and do it. And like, that's what helped them see or acknowledge and say, Hey, let's, let's, Hey, let's get Mike for this spot. Let's bring Mike back out mm-hmm. for the show because I made myself available. And, and I, and I get that everybody, is not like that. My path is not your path. And right. you know, what I do may not work for you, but in for me, that has worked and it's gotten me more credits than saying, Oh no, I'm, I'm not going to do that unless you pay me for, you know, you got to pay me on top of that. That's great advice. Um, so as a dad, a comic creator, a teacher and an all around hero, you juggle a lot in your daily life. What time management tips would you have for new and old creators on how to create time and space for their creative projects and goals. Well, there's this thing called a calendar that I've been trying to use. <laughs> I've been trying to do or whatnot. I, I have no sense of time. My sense of time is my wife coming into the studio and giving me the sharp eye. My, my wife and my kids are super supportive. They like, we have a flat screen TV in my studio and, you know, we got the, you know, the PlayStation hooked up to it. So all the apps are on there. So we have space where they can come in here and chill with me while I'm working. Um, I have a little portable table. I can go in the living room and still work while watching TV or watching movies with them and stuff. And, you know, we go out, um, you know, we just went to a cabin this past weekend. Uh, but my phone where yeah here it is my phone is attached to me at my hip and i've really been using that google assist thing on here to like mark reminders and things like that i've got a big you know those big like poster post-its that's on my wall with like a checklist of stuff that i have to do um everybody that have scheduled on the show to help promote the kickstarter i'm doing right now i had to get that all on the calendar yesterday or else i would have lost track of all of it you got to find a thing that works for you and i necessarily have not found a thing that works for me I am like when it comes to this art and comic book stuff, I am a workaholic. And the more that I learn, uh, the more that I do. Um, And just like just from like not to mention all the drawing stuff or the editing or editorial stuff and publishing stuff. But, you know, there's still the social media end of it and working Mm -hmm. that and being being present in that and being online and, you know, working your TikTok and working your Twitter, working your Instagram, um, making videos and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's it's a grind. And I don't have an exact formula because I don't, I barely sleep. Um, But like this though, my affinity gauntlet, it helps so much (laughs) moving over to the digital. um, It is, it has saved me tons of time because I can take this now everywhere I need to go. And like, 
if I'm in the car and I'm not driving, I'm sketching and doing layouts. When we stop, I'm working on final pencils and things like that. So, I mean, I just finished Hotshot 10, and that was the fastest I ever got a book done. I literally got 24 pages drawn and inked in a month. And, you know, I'm halfway done with issue 11 right now. Well, maybe you need to look at, since you, you work with the students, getting yourself a, a intern that is like your admin social media person. So they they handle your calendar, keeping you on schedule, and then, you know, doing all your social media posts, and then you can get that off your plate. That, that's what I had them doing when we, <laughs> when we, when we had interns. Um, but because of the COVID situation, the internship thing um, that I partner with CCAD with has not been happening. Um, because of the COVID Tell situation. Tell them do vir- vir- virtual um, interns. At my job, we're, we got our interns um, remote. So, yeah, <laughs> do that. Have them virtual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Learn to, gotta make that it work. teaches them flexibility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it does. That's how we had to end uh, the uh, last internship. We had to go virtual the last two months. Yeah, so just tell them you want to have them virtual. You know, they got to connect and be able to have meetings with you on Zoom or um, teams or everything you send you each day you meet with them tell them this is stuff I need done I emailed it to you I need it done by these this time get this post by this and then boom yeah they do it at the comfort of their home <laughs> I agree I'm like I had an idea last night go to them and say this is how we can do the internship program and and have it on that aspect <laughs> You have over 100 episodes live streaming podcasts, as you mentioned earlier, called Chat and Draw. Mm-hmm. I attended your episode for the first time on Tuesday with one of our guests, musical artist and actor, Alan Z. What inspired you to create such a format? Desperation. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, uh, the first episode of Chat and Draw was March 31st, and that was right when after they had shut down all the conventions and things were just down and I was just sitting at home, like that's a third of my damn income. What am I going to do? Like I go to like 25 shows a year somehow. Like if it's not combo conventions, I do events here in my city partnered up with GameStop. Um, Mm. So what am I going to do to stay relevant? What am I going to do to make sure that my, my fan base or my audience that I've been building, you know, still acknowledges me and knows I'm here. How am I going to interact with them? And the more I was online, the more I was seeing other people were having the same issue. And I was already doing a show called Dear Creative, where I would bring creatives on and we would talk about different subjects and stuff like that. And um, I was like, man, I should like, I should just like draw people's characters live and promote these people while at the same time promoting myself. Sean, Sean Mack was like, man, that's a dope idea. And I was like, I'm going to do this and do that. And Sean's like, no, no, you're not. And then, like, <laughs> he gave me the, the Sean Mack, the numbers game, and we worked on it. And the next thing I know, it was completely set up on the website. And I was like, bet, let's go. Yeah, I mean, and you've been doing great with the show. Um, for those who are watching, it is actually live on Kickstarter right now. So please go and check that out. Mike is also, Chat and Draw is also the season sponsor for season two of the Moana Nui podcast. So we're excited to be collaborating with him on that. So with that said, what else can we expect from Freestyle Comics and Chat and Draw in 2021 and beyond? You know what? I'm, I'm going to give this to you because you're my sis. So <laughs> and we're the sponsors. Um, I, and I, and I've been tiptoeing around it, just letting everybody know or just saying like Chat and Draw is like the first salvo in like the what we are going to or what we plan on dropping this year. So with Chat and Draw, 
we're obviously, you know, getting prepped to do season four. Um, we got not one, but three art books from Chat and Draw. Um, Hotshot Trade Volume 1 um, will be dropping um, the Kickstarter for that. Hotshot Trade Volume 2 will be happening. Um, Hotshot Number 10 is going to be coming out as well. Uh, we have Emerald Quest 1, 2, and 3 in the bid. And the docket's getting lettered and colored right now. Um our source book, we have two issues of that, issues number two and number three, done with that, and they connect to our, our book series. Zero Vent number one, uh, which is being lettered, which is ready to go. So we, like, we've like we built up, we've taken this time with COVID to um, build up a lot of stuff. We have a brand new title called Tetris Gates, which will be premiering um, this year. Uh, our subtitle, uh, the Wolf is ready to go. We got the second issue of that. Um, we brought on some pretty fantastic artists, uh, fantastic artists for Vigilance um, number four that we're moving on on with. So we, we got a lot of candy. We got a lot of goodies. Um, when when conventions do come back, it's going to be a whole completely different table with all the stuff and content that we have. But we we are going to be doing a lot of online promotions. Um, we, a few months ago, we did FSK day, which was a lot of success for us. We raised $800 in one day just to promote, just talking about FSK stuff. And we had tons of guests on there that made that night. Awesome. So we took lots of notes on that. So we have new events with short fuse planned in a similar fashion, but with a completely different take uh, that we're going to be doing uh, short fuse is just got, content behind the wall that we are just waiting, you know, biting at the teeth to release. But it's just like this whole thing of just figuring out, well, what gets released first? How much time do we spend on each IP? Because my thing is from that publisher chair is I'm looking at, I don't want to oversaturate and like drop one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing. And then like that one thing doesn't get enough time to breathe. Mm. But um, but we also do want to keep the content coming out. So it, it's a balancing act that we are still trying to assess. Not to even mention the project that Moana and Lori Foster and I are working on. <laughs> I was on. just thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. so um, I definitely want um, – I, I do want to bring that out this year. I, I do. I, yeah, I at least start it, right? Like yeah. maybe the first first two issues, perhaps. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. I, it's it's on me, really, y'all. Like I just need to sit my butt down and write some damn stories. It's it's on her. It's on me too. Um, so we we all in it together. <laughs> yeah, no, we go we gonna find time. I, I know we're both busy right now with with our podcast, but yeah, we'll we'll definitely. I'm excited about that project, obviously. Yeah. Um. um so as we, am I. And Brad, I do love your money. Um. We're just, you know, like Danny and I have sat down and we've like, like we, we discovered like this year, we don't want to like, we got six titles with a couple more coming on board and we don't want to focus on the individual title. Like, all right, cause hotshot 10 is out. Now we got to do vigilance four. Now we got to do heroes international four. Now we got to do Emerald quest number five. Now we, you know, we got to keep all the numbers up. So all these books are leading to one big story. They're one big anthology of their own. So now we've, we've flipped um, the individual titles to one ongoing series. Like, yes, they have their own names, they have their own chapters and whatnot, but we're going to release the books in the order of what the story that we're trying to tell. Mm -hmm. So if that means that three issues of hotshot come out before the next issue of vigilance, then that's, what's going to happen. And um, I had this problem with people coming to my table 
And they'd be like, all right, where's the new issue of Vigilance? I'm like, oh, well, we don't have the new issue of Vigilance. We got the new issue of Hotshot. Oh, where's the new issue of Hotshot? Well, we, th- th- we don't have the new issue of, of Hotshot. We got the new issue of Heroes International. That's, so to help try to guide our audience to read more of our content, and it's not mandatory. You don't have to read it in this order. Let's just say it's like the true fan fanatic order or whatnot. But that's what we're going to do. That's how we're going to release our books. Like the new issue is the new issue that we have at that time. The latest one. If it's Heroes International 6, then that's the new issue. And that's the order it is. So technically that would be um, the 26th book in the Freestyle Verse saga. Gotcha. So you're essentially using the Marvel Marvel recipe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm excited for it. I mean... I definitely need to check out some of the other because I have Hotshot. I, I read Vigilance. Um, I need. I think I, I need to get more issues of Hotshot. But yeah, definitely looking forward to everything that you guys are doing. What else would you like to tell um, the listeners maybe about your uh, what they can find um, on your Kickstarter right now? Well, what you can find on the Kickstarter is the Chat and Draw art book. That That is uh, the cream of the crop there. That's what we've been pushing. We got three art books, season one, season two, and season three. And, and the really cool thing about this is it is literally a collection of all the art that I've drawn over 100 episodes. Mm-hmm. And I normally, for I'd say about 90% of them were all done black and white. Um, but we are getting them all colored. So this is going to be a fully colored thing. Um, Veronica Smith, who is the mainstay colorist for Freestyle Comics, she is amazing. Um, she's coloring the covers for me. She's got, uh, I'd say, about 10 images that she's coloring in the book. Uh, but we've got Aries, uh, who has become the official colorist for Chat and Draw, who will be taking the bulk of the colors uh, for the illustration. And some of my awesome creative friends, who I had on the show, they went and got some of their images colored and they are letting me use those colored images in my book. So um, it's, it's just a ton of talent in this, in this thing or whatnot. And we've got some pretty cool t-shirts. Um, I've also got some guest spots available on the Kickstarter. Um, one being the versus guest spot, which I cannot wait to do that. Uh, that is when you could bring two, I bring two creators on there. I draw both their characters fighting as they debate about which character would win, and then the audience that is watching that day decides who had the better argument. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, yeah, and I definitely hope you consider the other idea that I had, where you have like two creators, two artists come on, like someone else. Come oh yeah, on yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a late entry, but I did like that. You know, if it's not this campaign, maybe the next one. You know, you don't want to confuse people too much, but right, right, right. <laughs> you want to give them all the juice all at once, you know. Right, you got to spread it out. I've been trying to manage the campaign and how much we put on there and whatnot. Because I, I am known to get carried away. I, I can admit that. No, me too. I'm the same way. Keep it simple. Keep, I mean, you know, you want to give them good stuff, but like not to the point where on the back end was this fulfillment, which is harder than people think. Oh, yeah. And then you're like, oh, God, what did I promise? Oh, shoot. Okay. All right. Let me get this together. And that's, and that's definitely a thing. I want to make sure um, fulfillment is very manageable. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, I mean, it was great having you on and being able to talk, you know, a little bit about behind the scenes of who Mike Watson is and, you know, how how your work with the with the students, because I think that's a really big, um, a really big thing that you do. And on behalf of all the students who are listening or whose parents might have students who are considering, you know, like being a creative, 
um, and putting the A back in STEM so that it's now STEAM. Um, <laughs> you know, um, thank you for your, your input and your encouragement, your inspiration. Um, so if parents, students, uh, other creators want to reach out to you, where would you, where, where's the best place to engage with you? Um, any social media platform under most epic art, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and uh, I always forget one. Whatever the seven major ones are, it's all most yeah, TikTok. epic art. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Any closing comments, Dana? Nope. Uh, we thank you again for coming on. Um, uh, maybe ne next time we have Mike on, he gets to do a d live demo for our audience oh. so they can see what he's all about and entice them more into uh, <laughs> getting a part of his Kickstarter and then also checking him out on his chat and draw, which is every day. Um, that you do an episode, or is well, it? Uh, what's your <laughs> the, the, the normal schedule was Monday and Thursday, but since I've been doing the Kickstarter campaign, it's been every day to promote the Kickstarter. Mm. And Brad, I do not have an OnlyFans; it is Patreon. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you can cross into that, get another platform. Hey, I'm not knocking it. If you if you got the way to rock it, that's good money. <laughs> that is good money. I am never going to be mad at somebody's hustle. To get good money. Mm -hmm. I know that's right. Oh yeah, I just had an idea. Maybe we can uh, do a chat and draw where you can draw like me and Dana as like some promo image for the podcast. I think that would be ah. cool. Oh yeah, I could definitely do that. Yes, awesome, absolutely. <laughs> Yay. See, okay. my friends are awesome. You guys need to follow them. I'm telling yes. you, I will not lead you wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, thank you everybody for joining us here on the Moana Nui podcast. Please follow us. You can find our content at moananuipodcast.com. Uh, we're also on YouTube. We have a channel there. Um, myself, you can follow me at the real life Moana on Instagram um, or the Moana Nui podcast on Facebook. Dana, you can follow her as well at Danike Events on Instagram. And um, then on Facebook, you can follow me. Um, I'm Dana at, um, at Moana Nui podcast. I'm on there. So you can follow and kind of keep up with the podcast and our guests. Absolutely. And if you need photography services, if you are in the Georgia area, please reach out to Dana. She's amazingly talented. She has some of her work behind her and we are going to have a special episode for her uh, next month where we'll be talking to her about what she does. So thank you all for showing love to our community. We appreciate you. Um, and we hope you continue to spread the word to your friends um, about all the dope folks and all the amazing, uh, you know, things that our community is creating uh, for our current generation and, and the future generations to come. So with that said, we are going to sign out. Please take care. Be vigilant. Wear your masks. Stay healthy. Bye.